Australian football CEO is forced to resign after one day on the job because he volunteers at a church that talks about, wait for it, the Bible. Then we hear about a journalist who is fired because she may be pro-life, which might bias her journalism. Finally, we check in with Netflix and find out that they're actually taking heat for their latest movie, but not for the reason that you think. I'm Matt Odegaard, and this is Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. Appreciate you being here today. My name is Matt Odegaard. I'm your host as always. And today we are talking about current events from a Christian perspective so that you can know how to live your faith out in this crazy world. And more and more so, it seems to be crazy. So we have a couple of stories today about people who have been pushed back against just basically because of their faith, or at least their connection to it. And those are the stories that we want to look at today. If you missed any of the stories that I have previously done, you can get them at churchpublic.com slash podcast for the video or just on the main page for the audio. Of course, you can always get it in all of the regular podcast places. I think I'm on all of them at this point, or at least most. You can search Church Public if you're on them and you find this helpful. Feel free to like and subscribe and share. Do all of the, the the alerts and notifications and all the things that you need to do. At any rate, I really appreciate you being part of this podcast. It is, in fact, a labor of love, and I just want to continue doing it as long as I have breath to let people know what it means to follow Jesus and live in the public square. All right, let's get to some stories today. So the first one that I think is just an interesting one to talk about is not in America, and I fully understand that, but we will transition back to America. And I do this from time to time. We talk about England, we talk about Canada, and today we're talking about Australia. But the reason that we go to these places is, it seems to me, from my study of history, of which I've done a lot, and from my study of Western culture, of which I've also done a lot, that some of these other Western cultures and countries are a little bit further along in the process of whatever, de-Christianization or post-Christianization or whatever you want to call it, it seems like they're a little bit further along. So I like to hear and read and find out what they're doing in their world because I think it makes a difference to where we might go. Hopefully not, but... Unfortunately, in this case, kind of feels like we're going that direction. Anyway, so today we're talking about this Australian football coach, or footy, as they call it in Australia. And again, I'm going to be flat honest. Sports are not my jam. Most of you uh, who know me know that. But that really doesn't matter to the story because the story isn't really about sports. If you're into sports, maybe this is interesting to you. Hopefully more so. And to be, again, flat honest, I don't know that much about the Australian football rules. I really don't. And again doesn't really matter to this story because what we're talking about really here is where you have a job and where you go to church. That's the big key point to this whole thing. So what we're talking about here is uh, a story that I found on Reuters, Australian rules. Um, it's, uh, I believe the team is called Ascendon. Um, again, Australian footy. So it is what it is. But the point here is that the CEO of this team quit after exactly one day on the job. One. One day on the job. Over links to, you guessed it, his church. And as you're hearing this story, one of the things that I would love for you to think about and to bring about is just this thought that um, here's here's what Jesus says to us in Mark 8.36. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world 
and profit his soul or lose his soul. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And I think that's an important thing, an important question that we have to think about as we go through this. And perhaps this question has or will come for you, maybe sooner than you think. So <clears throat> the question is, what are you going to do if a question like this comes? So in Australia, here's what we have. Apparently, it was just too controversial to have an openly Christian person as the head of the footy team. Now, this new executive, Andrew Thornburn, who lasted about 24 hours as the CEO of this footy club, this, this football team, was in trouble for his sordid past. Yes, his sordid past being a member or even in leadership at a church. He was a prior bank executive, and apparently some things didn't go well there, but that doesn't really have anything to do with this story. This story has everything to do with the fact that he, Thornton, served at a church. Apparently he was the volunteer chairman of the board at a church. And the church apparently had controversy. Controversy, terrible, terrible controversy. Now, I'll say, this is not the kind of controversy that we've seen over and over again in America and Australia and England where the pastor does some really bad things and it becomes a controversy because the pastor has done bad things. In fact, that's not what we're talking about at all. The controversy we're talking about here is the church did, well, churchy things and Bible things. The church was preaching on the sin of homosexuality, and the church was preaching on the sin of abortion, and the church was preaching on sanctity of life, and saying that life does matter, and it begins at conception, and we should value that and not destroy it, which apparently is a really, really controversial and terrible claim to do, which the church has believed for 2,000 years, if you don't count all the Judeo uh, roots before that. But anyway... <clears throat> this church apparently had a lot of controversy over its teachings, these biblical teachings, on issues like the evil of abortion, sin of same-sex behavior, etc. <clears throat> so, in 2013, the press went way back and found a sermon archived on the church's website um, and some others in, I think, 2016, where basically they said, hey, we believe what the Bible says about homosexuality and about abortion and the right in, in life and that we're made in God's image, etc. There was a bunch of things. I'm not even going to read through. You, you can go look up a, an article on this if you want to read through all of the things that the church preached about. But as far as I looked through, it was just mainline church things. I mean, read the Bible, do what it says. It's kind of my motto for life. I feel like it's a good one. If you're trying to follow Christ, you know, follow Christ. I, I know it sounds like crazy rocket science, but just kind of is what it is. So we get back to Australia, and uh, this happened apparently around the Victoria area. So the state official in this area had apparently some harsh words for this church. The chief political officer in Victoria, uh, which is a, a premier, that's, that's the title, uh, the name was Daniel Andrews. He referred to the church based in Melbourne and its views by saying, these are his words, quote, these views are absolutely appalling. I don't support those views, this kind of intolerance, that kind of hatred, bigotry. It is just wrong. End quote. That was his actual quote, basically about the Bible. <clears throat> so, this controversy came out, and this CEO had one day, 24 hours, being as the CEO of the team, and then resigned, apparently. So, the team's president, Dave Barham, just immediately threw this new CEO and the church under the bus. <laughs> the president said, quote, as soon as comments relating to the 2013 sermon from a pastor at City on a Hill 
Uh, that's the name of the church. Um, and by the way, I think he said city on the hill. I think the church is really city on a hill. Uh, it doesn't really matter, but if, if you're Googling any of this or, or looking at any of it up, he got the name wrong. doesn't matter. So as soon as this sermon came to light <clears throat> from the 2013 sermon, he said, this is the president of the footy club, we acted immediately to clarify the publicly espoused views on the organization's official website, which are in direct contradiction to our values as a club. He went on to say in a statement released by the club, um, Essendon, again, the name of the, of the club, is committed to providing an inclusive, diverse, and safe club where everyone is welcome and respected, end quote. Well, everyone except the man they just kicked out for his views, but okay, continuing on. The board went on to say, quote, despite those not being views that Andrew Thorburn has expressly, personally said, and apparently they were also made prior to him taking up his role as the chairman. So I've got, I've got to pause on this for a second. And this is, this is the statement. So he didn't say them. He wasn't even there when the church said them. But still, continuing the quote, he can't continue to serve in dual roles as the Ascendant Football Club CEO and as chairman of City on the Hill. End quote. So there it is. Either resign from your job or, I guess, renounce your faith? I mean, seems pretty ultimatum to me. Like, <laughs> the football club literally said, you can't be on the board at the church and be a CEO of a football team. And again, I just, man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get in here and say this. We're talking about football, even Australian football. We're talking about football. You can't go to a church that talks about church things straight from the Bible and be the CEO of a football team now in Australia. Apparently, that's what this story is all about. You can't be a part of a church Maybe and be in leadership to the church, but still just be at a church and be a leader in the football team organization. That's some crazy religious, uh, religious, I mean, man, I, I wanted to say persecution. I'm trying to filter in real time, but like, I don't know what else to call that, right? I mean, either leave the football organization or leave your church. <clears throat> so I, I guess that's where, where they leave it. And, and obviously... He left the football organization. And so, you know, props to him, I guess, for sticking with the church. But then again, that ship had probably sailed. By the time they found out that he was a member, a contributor, a leader in the church, I think it was already too late for him to salvage anything in this footy club. That is my read on it. I could be wrong, but, but that's what I'm seeing. So maybe if he had just joined a liberal church with rainbow flags outside, he'd be okay. I don't know. But if you go to a traditional church that promotes biblical values of marriage and family and preaches about them, I, I guess I guess you're out of a job. I don't know. But I have to I can't even pause the story there because there's more to the story, which actually makes me more sad than the football team, which is obviously a secular institution in the world, saying that you can't go to church and be part of this football club. <clears throat> because here's the next statement from the board. The next statement is, the board respects Andrew's decision. That's the CEO. And I, I, I want to hone in on that for a second because they said either leave your church or quit. He quit. The board respects your decision. I feel like that's a pretty good kick in the face saying good riddance to bad rubbish, right? I mean, like, 
it, it, there's no choice in it, right? He, he, even if he had said, well, I'll leave the church, would they have said, okay, you're back in as, as the footy coach or the footy CEO? Like, no, of course not. Of course they wouldn't. Ship has sailed. He made the mistake of being part of a church, a church that preaches the Bible, and the Bible goes against culture because the Bible is true and culture is trying to do all sorts of wacky things right now. So already he was just out to launch on where this goes. And this isn't even the end of it. Let's keep going. The statement went on. <clears throat> the board said, this is the, this is the football board. I want to stress, neither the board nor Andrew was aware of the comments from 2013 sermon until we read about them in the morning. I want to stress this is not about vilifying anyone for their personal religious beliefs. End quote. Really, it's all I say to that. Really, it's not about vilifying someone for their personal religious beliefs because it kind of feels that way. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I'm picking up on. Anyway, continuing on with the statement, quote, this is not about vilifying anyone for their personal religious beliefs, but about a clear conflict of interest with an organization whose views do not align at all with our values as a safe, inclusive, diverse, welcoming club for our staff and players and members and fans and partners and the wider community, end quote. Again, <laughs> really? <laughs> it, it, so the, the church, the Bible, God, following after Jesus, Christianity in general, is apparently not safe. I mean, that, that, that's the bottom line. If you boil everything down here, they're saying, if you go to a church, if you believe in the church, if the church says things that are countercultural because the church is going to say things that are countercultural because the church literally is countercultural, and I cannot stress that enough, Jesus Christ came to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, which means if you do ways that are not Christ, that is not the way. I know this culture would love to say all roads lead to heaven, all dogs go to heaven, everybody goes to heaven. But that's not what Jesus said. You can believe those other things if you want to, but you can't say you're a Christian then. Those are, those are the options that you get to have. You can say, I'm going to believe everybody goes to heaven. I'm going to believe love is love. I'm going to believe you can do whatever you want in this world with no penalties. You can say that. You can believe that. But you can't read the Bible and say that's true because that's not what Jesus says. I mean, even just again, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's a very exclusive statement because Jesus says uh, implicitly there, other ways then are not the way. I, I mean, I don't know how to say that more clearly, but that, that's what Jesus said. You can be mad at me for that, but this is the words of Christ. Unfortunately, to continue on with this story for just a little bit more, <clears throat> Thornburn didn't seem to really know what he believed at all or stand up for his faith. And that this is the part that makes me sad. He did say, my faith is a very personal thing. Okay, great. I can get along with that. Then he went on to say, quote, I think my faith has helped me become a better leader because at the center of my faith is the belief that you should create community, care for people, help people be safe, and respect them as humans, end quote. Now, uh, I hate to be picky on this. All of that sounds really nice, but it's not Christian. Again, to, to be Christian, to follow after Christ, we have to look like Christ. We have to do things like Christ. And sure, we build community, we take care of people, but it's all in the context of loving God and loving others. When the Pharisees come and tell Jesus or ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment of all of the commandments, right? The, the Ten Commandments, there's actually more commandments in, in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and I'm not going to get into all those right now, but they're trying to trap him and they're trying to say, there's all these, what's the best one? He says, the number one is love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, right? So that is the number one. And I know uh, right now the, the big buzzwords are love your neighbor as yourself, love others, all those things. But 
And that's true. But you can't have that without the context, without the anchor of love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And that means following the Ten Commandments, because if we don't follow the Ten Commandments, we're not loving God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And I know we don't like to talk that way. We don't like to think we don't like to think about the fact that there's it's hard to follow commandments. It's hard to follow after God. And and I know I'm not I'm, I'm not saying you're you're saved by following the commandments, but I'm saying we still have to do it. Right? Do you understand how that's like like the same thing? I know we're saved by faith. I know through Romans, like we can only get to God through faith, and we can only follow God through faith and 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 through our faith and through the grace that He gives us. That's all true. But that doesn't mean we get to do whatever we want. Paul in another place says everything is acceptable, but not everything is beneficial. In other words, you can do whatever you want, but it doesn't mean you should do whatever you want. You understand the difference, right? If you do whatever you want, you're going to get the consequences of doing whatever you want. And God clearly says, Jesus clearly says, doing whatever you want is not good for you. It's not good for others. It's not good for the world. It's not for community. It's not good for the family. And I could go on and on and on and on with real-life examples on how this is true. And we all know it when we really think about it. <clears throat> but we like to think that do whatever you want because you have grace. Or do whatever you want because God is a big Santa sky daddy or something and he's going to let you do whatever you want. Or God doesn't exist at all. Whatever thing you want. You, you got to pick a lane. And, and that's, that's what we're talking about here. And that's what the culture has said. This guy has to pick a lane. And so it makes me sad when he says, you know, build your community and love people. Again, all that's nice. That's just not Christian. And again, in Romans, like, we all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. We need God's grace to get to God. And we only get that through faith in Christ and by Christ's sacrifice. Like, these are the things that are the gospel. And those are hard things because they mean what Jesus says to us. Deny yourself. Don't live for you. Don't let you be you. Don't follow your own way. Follow God's way. That's what a Christian is being like. Not just having a safe community. Uh, and, and, and this is what's hard. This is what's hard about following God's commandments and loving God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And as Jesus says in this passage, loving your neighbor as yourself. We do have to do that. But that means loving them in God's love, not in the way they want to be loved. And every parent knows this. You don't give your kid candy for every meal, even though they want that. You give them the good food that they need, even though they don't want that. Same thing with your neighbor. You give them what they need, not what they want. And that's hard because that is countercultural. The culture says you give your neighbor what they want. God says you give your neighbor what God wants. Difference, right? See it? And so, in other words, in this place, unfortunately, the CEO not only quit, but also is struggling with where he fits in the church. And this is, this is a problem. This is a problem not only on the CEO side, it's a problem on the church side. If he is literally the chairman of the board of a church, but he doesn't know what the church believes, he doesn't know what Jesus literally says about this, he doesn't know how, how to stand up for his faith in a way that is meaningful, I don't know if he's going to be the CEO or the, or the chairman of the church for very long. But that's his problem. Our problem is, what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do if our boss says <clears throat> either... You choose to go to that church that preaches against cultural things, preaches against homosexuality, preaches against abortion, preaches against other things, or you work here. That may be the choice that we come to, which is why I want to start and end with Mark 8.36. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? 
what are you going to choose? The church may cost you your job, but the bigger question is, will you let your job cost you your soul? And this is not just in Australia. In 2014, according to the Washington Times, Kelvin J. Cochran was an Atlanta fire chief, and he was fired for expressing his views on marriage and sexuality in a book, a little pamphlet that he made for his church's Bible study. In the end of 2014, he was accused of sharing copies of his Bible study with employees of the fire department. The book was called Contrary to the Cities and My Personal Commitment to Non-Discrimination. And then he was fired by the city council. So... Is is that okay? Is this the same kind of thing where he made a pamphlet for either his church or his Bible study or maybe even his fire department? Is that too much? Is that bringing your faith into a place where your faith is not welcome? And does that mean then you can be fired? Just last week, I read about a news anchor who was fired for collecting pro-life petitions. There's a Nebraska news station that says it fired a news director for collecting signatures for a pro-life ballot initiative. And they said she was fired because her actions violated the company's policy of journalistic impartiality. In other words, not being biased, right? And this raises questions about her ability to cover the abortion issue without bias. According to the Christian Post, Melanie Standiford, the former news director and co-anchor at KNOP-TV in North Platte, worked for the company for five years before her termination last week. She gathered signatures for an initiative seeking to outlaw abortion in several towns in Nebraska. This, the, uh, the station said, quote, Separately, KNOP can confirm our longstanding company policy encourages civic involvement among our employees. Great. So, first part, right, encourages civic involvement among our, our employees. They went on, though. So long as activities do not give the appearance of interfering with journalistic impartiality. So it reads, So here's my question, and not necessarily specific to this story, but how many news people, politicians, celebrity, have we literally watched for years now march with BLM in the streets? Or how many have openly pushed for more access to abortion or women's health care, as the euphemism says, through organizations like Planned Parenthood? There are more than I could count, and you probably have seen the same thing. I'm not even necessarily a fan of this policy where you can't volunteer with an organization because it may might it might make you look biased, but if you have that policy, shouldn't it work in two directions? If the desired outcome is you don't give biased reporting, that should go in both directions, right? After all, that is what bias is, not just one side of an issue being bad, but both sides. If you push for Planned Parenthood and you push for women's health care, that makes you biased. Maybe if you sign petitions for pro-life organizations, that makes you bias. So if you're going to have that rule, I think it should apply to both sides. That would be actually eliminating bias. Otherwise, you're not talking about bias. You're just talking about enforcing your one viewpoint and not allowing any others, which in fact is, in fact, the definition of bias. On a related note, this news story reveals the company never actually found fault with Stanford's reporting on abortion, just that she, I guess, might be biased now that they know her values. This is the same issue as before that we've been talking about this whole time. Either you denounce your conservative Christian values or you leave your job. There's no both. It's not enough that you don't talk about it at work. You don't even get in trouble for anything particularly at work. It's just that they found you on social media or found you in a news story or found you somewhere or on a volunteer side, you know, they saw, hey, you believe in these things. Now you have to decide, can you be part of this 
uh, this job or not? Or in other words, can you denounce your church or not? It's not enough to just be silent about it. And we're getting to that point. And that's why I want to drill this home. You have to think about this now. What is your decision on this going to be now? If and maybe when your job says, hey, I noticed that you go to church. I noticed that your church did a series on biblical sexuality. Do you believe that? If you do, that's against our guidelines. So you have to go. I mean, this is, I'm telling you, showing you, there's so many more stories. This is happening and will continue to happen because this is the way our culture is going. It's not just be silent and let things pass you by and don't make waves. That time is kind of over. Now, if they find that you attended a church on social media, and and believe me, they're trolling social media for these things. They're absolutely doing this. And so we have to figure out, like, you have to decide, are you going to really follow Jesus or not? It's up to you. Uh, I hope you choose to follow him. I, I want to do it the best that I can, and I hope you do too. I got to have one more story before we go today, and this is entertainment news. And I think it's an interestingly connected story. Planned Parenthood is apparently mad at Netflix. And I just think, I think that's a funny thing. I think this is a funny story because usually you hear the other side. Usually you hear that Netflix is in trouble because they've done some wacky and crazy things. And I've, uh, I've, I've given you several, uh, several things uh, about that over the years. But in this one, Planned Parenthood is especially mad at Netflix because in Netflix's new movie, Blonde, a dramatization of Mar- Marilyn Monroe's excuse me, <clears throat> uh, life, it is under fire because... It has a negative portrayal of abortion. I'll read you a little bit from this article. Um, Give me just a second to pull it up here. Okay, so in this article, Planned Parenthood is criticizing Netflix's new Marilyn Monroe movie for its depiction of abortion. This is according to the Christian Post. Expressing concern about the film's portrayal of the starlet's mental torment after undergoing two illegal abortions, apparently against her will. The movie Blonde, based on the book of the same name by Joyce Carol Oates, premiered at the Venice Film Festival before Netflix began streaming on September 28. Um, Apparently, according to the movie, Monroe undergoes two illegal abortions, requesting that a studio secretary help her with the first due to fears that her mother's mental health issues will pass on to the child. The actress later changes her mind, but the doctors ignore her and continue with the abortion. In other words, force her to get it. And then the second shows... Her having an abortion, implying that she's carrying President John F. Kennedy's baby, and she's forced to have an abortion in the middle of the night. So, Carol, I'm sorry, Karen Spruk, Planned Parenthood Federation of America's National Director of Arts and Entertainment, told The Hollywood Reporter she thinks the movie inaccurately depicts women's abortion experiences and increases the stigma surrounding the practice. She says, quote, while abortion is safe, essential health care, anti-abortion zealots have long contributed to the abortion stigma by using medically inaccurate descriptions of fetuses and pregnancy. Andrew Dominic's new film Blonde bolsters their message with a... Uh, Uh, a talking fetus, computer-generated. That's a side point. We don't have to talk about that right now. She goes on to say, depicted to look like a fully formed baby. End quote. Um, I... (laughs) It's just... (laughs) they. Oh, gosh. They have to try so hard here, right? Because it's like they show in this movie, apparently, and I haven't seen it and probably won't, 
Uh, and, and it doesn't really matter. Um, they show apparently a computer generated baby and she has some weird dream sequence where the baby says, Hey, don't get rid of me. Right. Um, but, but Planned Parenthood is mad because the baby looks kind of real. And so Planned Parenthood is mad that the baby looks kind of real and we don't want to let people know that babies are actually real. Like, like that's what, that's what they're saying here. People they're saying this movie makes babies look real. But we can't let people know that babies are actually real because that would get in the way of this, quote, safe, essential health care. <laughs> That's the actual quote that this Planned Parenthood representative gives. Right. So it's terrifying to note that babies are real because they are. So we can't tell anybody about that. And it's really sad that apparently and I didn't even know this because I'm not that big of a, of a Marilyn Monroe history buff, but apparently she had two abortions and apparently they were kind of against her will. And that's that's really tragic. It's a really tragic thing. And apparently this movie shows that it's actually tragic when a woman is uh, either goes through an abortion period or is forced to go through an abortion. Apparently that's a tragic thing. And it is. And, and it is terribly tragic, not just for the baby who's killed, but for the poor mom who is supposed to be a mom by God's grace and makes a different choice. That's just really sad. And Planned Parenthood is big mad about this. So I don't know what to say. Props to Netflix for uh, for working on this and including that. I mean, I guess so. Uh, I'm, again, as, as many of you know, not the biggest fan of Netflix. But in this case, it seems like they've made an interesting and perhaps good decision to portray what is a really terrible and terrifying act as what it actually is. All right, let's move on from that because I want to just end with uh, the words of Jesus. This leads us to the words of Jesus that warn and I think comfort us from Matthew 24. I just love this. And so I think we'll end with it to help you hopefully through your time, through your day. Matthew 24, 9, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all the nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, you know, according to Jesus' words here, in other places, Paul talks about it, Peter talks about it, John talks about it. The world may hate you for your faith, but nonetheless, keep preaching, keep loving God, keep loving others in the way that God has, not the way that they want, because some people don't know what they need. And I know that's hard, and I know that's not what the culture says, but that's just the truth of the matter. So I would suggest, I would implore, I would plead with you to share the gospel as far and as wide as God will let you. For Church Public, I'm Matt Odegaard, and to everybody out there, I hope you make sure to keep the faith.